DC Public Library podcast is made possible in part by the Institute of Museum and Library Services and is a production of the labs at DC Public Library. Heads up, this episode contains a discussion about COVID-19 and losing loved ones. Hello, and welcome to our very first episode of the People's Podcast. I'm Lisa Warwick, Reference and Outreach Coordinator at the People's Archive. And I'm Laura Farley, Digital Curation Librarian at the People's Archive. Today, we'll highlight a few collections you can access from home and go on a little searching adventure in our digital collections. Plus, as we mark one year living with the pandemic, we're going to talk about what we've been doing to document life in DC during COVID-19. But before we get started, allow us to introduce ourselves. We're librarians in the People's Archive, which is the local history center at DC Public Library. We collect all kinds of materials that document culture, politics, and day-to-day -day life in the district. That means things like photos, maps, and letters, reference books, and also digital objects like tweets and websites. To get started, I'll show you one of our collections that you can find in Dig DC. Welcome to Collections Corner. Nobody puts baby in a corner. To wrap up Women's History Month, we are highlighting a collection that lifts up the contributions of women in DC. Started in late 1993, Women in the Life LLC, an events management company, carved out safe spaces for Black lesbians to interact through dance parties, concerts, and open mic poetry sessions. Long before social media existed, Women in the Life connected Black lesbians in DC and ultimately around the world. Women in the Life magazine started out as a four-page newsletter and evolved over a 10-year period into a 26-page glossy cover magazine. If it affected Black lesbians, the magazine covered it. The magazine focused on an audience that few, if any, mainstream or LGBT media outlets considered in their coverage. At its peak, Women in the Life magazine reached hundreds of thousands of readers across over 40 cities, supporting and affirming queer communities of color during a crucial period in American history and the LGBTQIA movement for equal rights. The entire 10-year run of Women in the Life magazine was digitized in honor of the publication's 25th anniversary and is available to view and download at digdc.dclibrary.org. I am not a Black lesbian, but I still really love reading Women in the Life. The writers have a great sense of humor. I love this one article that shows the difference between big press and local press. In the 2002 issue, Sheila Alexander Reed lists her 10 most intriguing people for the year and then reviews the Times list of 25 most intriguing people. Her list includes Frida Kahlo, Don Cheadle, and Michael Jackson, as well as Pamela Johnson, the highest ranking woman of color at Fannie Mae. Sheila then reviews the Times list with comments like, George Bush, he's about as intriguing as the nail on my baby toe, and Julia Roberts, I refuse to take time and energy to wonder why she is on this list. And Britney Spears, two words, who cares? Oh. <laughs> this has been Collections Corner. Back to you, Laura. Thanks, Lisa. Now let's go on a little searching adventure in Dig DC, the DC Public Library's home for digital historical collections. 
Now, I've lived in D.C. for several years, but I cannot get over the ridiculous beauty of spring in this city. A couple years ago, my parents came to visit during cherry blossom season, and we made the terrible mistake of renting a car and driving around to lots of cherry blossom destinations. Everyone else had the exact same idea, and it was not a good time at all. But despite the tourists and the pollen, I still really look forward to the blossoms every year. And sadly, we're coming up on the second year of a quiet cherry blossom season here because of COVID-19. So I thought I'd turn to our digital collections in Dig DC for some cherry blossoms of the past. And boy, I was not disappointed. My search strategy was to enter cherry blossom in quotes into the keyword search on the homepage of Dig DC to search the entire phrase across all of our collections. I found a couple pictures of the tidal basin in bloom and some announcements of the Cherry Blossom Festival, but what else I found was a little surprising. Let me share a couple finds. First, I came across an article on page seven of the April 26, 1967 issue of the Washington Free Press, which is a radical leftist independent newspaper published from 1967 to 1969. The article titled, this Napalm Spring by Will Ema was written by the then college student. Will describes the tension and outrage of the moment and writes about a protest during peak cherry blossom bloom. On Saturday, April 8th, in an open truck, a dozen of us rode through Washington under the cherry blossoms, past our national monuments, shouting, end the war in Vietnam, stop the killing in Vietnam, peace is our profession now, these calls, individual and in chorus, echoed among the tourists and down the federal streets between buildings in a beyond logical and even foolhardy trumpet of human conscience, a trumpet yet witness to our conviction that if we will speak out, the fear and apathy among us can be routed. Next, I came across a stinging review of the Kennedy Center's production of the musical, The Mystery of Edwin Drood, on page 31 of the April 15, 1988 City Paper, an independent paper published since 1981. The reviewer expresses their disdain for the performance. And for some context, this review mentions Sheer Madness, which is a long running interactive play staged at the Kennedy Center. The show subjects viewers to nearly two hours of belligerent bad vaudeville before hounding them sheer madness style into voting for one of several principles as the murderer of the title character. Patron polling, evidently the Kennedy Center gimmick of choice for attracting the cherry blossom crowd, may rank right up there artistically with celebrity bowling, but it's by far the most interesting aspect of this misbegotten musical. And last, I'd like to highlight an article from page 41 of the April 22nd, 1994 issue of the Washington Blade, DC's principal LGBTQ newspaper, first published in 1969. Mark Martinez looks back one year later at the March on Washington for lesbian, gay, and bi-equal rights and liberation, and writes about his experience traveling to DC with his partner to participate in the march. April 1993 in Washington, D.C. Cherry blossoms falling, tulips blooming, rain washing the air, 
and thousands of men and women converging on a pilgrimage of pride. My lover and I arrived on the 21st and spent a week in the heart of our democracy, redefining ideas such as freedom and equality. In the process, we were also reshaping ourselves, moving from what we were to what we envisioned. So I came for the cherry blossoms, but I ended up finding so much more in Dig DC, and you can too. Visit Dig DC at digdc.dclibrary.org. When the COVID-19 pandemic brought life in Washington, DC to a standstill in March 2020, the People's Archive began looking for ways to document how this historic event was affecting everyday life. We know the value of first-person accounts for historical research, and we wanted to do something to preserve the story of daily life in the district during the stay-at-home order. Beginning last March, we collected materials from public Instagram and Twitter posts submitted through the hashtag ArchiveThisMomentDC, and people also sent us materials directly. We received over 2,000 digital files telling your stories. Many of them are now posted in the Archive This Moment DC collection in Dig DC. For lots of reasons, we originally set out to collect materials only from the official DC stay at home order, which ended May 28, 2020. But now, a year later, we're asking how has COVID-19 changed your life over the whole year? Submissions are open again until the end of June 2021, and we're asking anyone who lives in DC to submit up to five pieces of media that show how your life has changed since March 2020. Laura and I are going to share a few objects we're going to submit to the collection. Okay, Lisa, it took me a minute to think about the moments that really touched and changed me over the last year. We've talked about how there are so many moments that are just too difficult to try to capture. Like for me, the process of just getting ready to get out the door every morning with the mask and the hand sanitizer and the do I or don't I wear the foggy sunglasses debate. I chose three items that capture the range of emotion and experience over the last year. One that's very silly, one big civic moment, and one that was very difficult. I chose one object that is bittersweet and one that hints at a big part of 2020 that is missing from our collection. Just a little teaser to keep you listening. Laura, what's your first object? My first object is a boomerang from a Zoom dance party. Now, a boomerang is a short video that takes a burst of images, stitches them together, then plays them back and forth. So what you end up with is this infectiously joyful short video of people dancing in their little Zoom Brady Bunch boxes. My friend Ruth hosted a Zoom dance party for her birthday in late summer, and it was such a smash that she began hosting them on the regular. So this item captures my social life over the last year. Stuck on the internet, a little hyper at times, but we're all just doing the best to still feel connected to one another. I think that will definitely be something we all remember, the creativity around how we stayed connected this year. My first object is a picture of me in front of the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial Library sign. Photo credit to Jerry McCoy on this one. I'm gesturing at the sign wearing a mask, a face shield, and an apron. The apron I discovered was very useful for keeping that hand sanitizer and gloves handy all the time. 
I was so excited about the reopening of this library in September after the three-year renovation. I had been daydreaming about events to hold in the auditorium for years, but none of that was able to happen. We had an adjusted opening where the public was only allowed in the first floor of the building, and later during the holiday surge in cases, only allowed in the entryway to pick up books. It was difficult to be welcoming while having all this safety equipment and restrictions in place and feeling a little scared about people getting too close. So speaking of history making moments, my second item is an image of me voting. There I am at the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial Library with my mask and my ballot, very happily depositing it in the ballot drop box. While voting wasn't a new experience for me, like so many other Americans, using a ballot box was. DC made it really easy to return ballots by mail or ballot box for the 2020 presidential election. Plus, they even included that little I voted sticker in the voting kit, which I loved because I really missed voting in person. It might have been the most rewarding part of working during the pandemic, watching people do their little selfies in front of the ballot box. My second piece is also about civic engagement. It's a picture of a spray painted stencil reading Medicare for all. You can see my feet framing the art because it was spray painted on the ground in front of a bench in Petworth. For me, this expresses the anger and frustration that came from knowing we didn't all have health care or the support I would want from our social services during a very difficult time. It also connects to a larger theme from 2020, protesting. Protest items are going to be glaringly missing from the Archive This Moment DC collection, because in June of 2020, our staff chose to prioritize concerns around privacy and safety for protesters over our desire to document the Black Lives Matter protests in DC. We have decided to stick with this policy for this round of collecting as well. We definitely encourage you to learn more about these issues and document your experiences protesting in a way that is safe. You can utilize our personal archiving resources at the Memory Lab, and you can learn more about why we made this decision at www.dclibrary.org backslash archive this moment DC. So my third item is deeply personal, but I think it's important to share because it's an experience many have endured during the past year. On December 24th, 2020, my father-in-law passed from complications due to COVID-19 after eight weeks of hospitalization. At the time of our recording, he is one of over 536,000 Americans to lose their lives to this illness. I've kept a journal and I'll be donating the entries from the night he passed and the day of his funeral to our collection. My husband was able to travel to the Midwest to be with his family while I stayed here in DC. I'll share one line written after the funeral, which I watched as a live stream. That for me really sums up the experience of losing a loved one during this time. The most oddly gut-wrenching part of today was when the live feed cut off at the end. I wanted to stay connected to Jay, but I couldn't. I'm really sorry for your loss, Laura, and the losses anyone listening has experienced. This year, even the easy things got harder and the hard things became really, really difficult. 
I recently lost my great aunt Irene to COVID and would like to share a piece of her obituary here. Irene was a loving mother, grandmother and great grandmother. She absolutely loved spending time with her children, grandchildren and great grandchildren. She enjoyed baking, shopping and particularly liked her holiday decorations. I won't get too deep into how this is an understatement to say Irene loved her family and liked holiday decorations. It's still the only home where I saw even the bathroom decorated for every holiday. I know we are ending on a sad note, but I don't think it would be accurate to end any other way when it comes to talking about this year and this pandemic. So if everyone listening could join us in taking a moment to remember the ones you've lost or the ones you've missed the most this year. This episode was written by me, Laura Farley. And me, Lisa Warwick. Sound engineering was provided by Siobhan Hagen. Shout out to the staff in the labs at DC Public Library for their help with this episode. Learn more about Archive This Moment DC at dclibrary.org backslash Archive This Moment DC or find us on Facebook at People's Archive at DC Public Library. Have a question? Email us at peoples.archive at dc.gov. That's P-E-O-P-L-E-S dot A-R-C-H-I-V-E at dc.gov. You just tuned into DC Public Library Podcast. Listen and subscribe at dcplpodcast.simplecast.com or wherever podcasts are available. Send us your comments at DCPL on Twitter or follow us at DC Public Library on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for listening.